This is SpaceCast Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flights, Twilight Imperium, episode 300. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Imperium's impact has just been how much staying power it has and how, how much you know influence it has on the way we think about heavy games or, or 4X games or, or space games like that. It costs quite a long shadow as a game. I think Twilight Imperium is one of the first games to break the $100 barrier for, for a base box. I, I do have to say, I think my wife probably appreciated that we didn't play on the wedding day. It's why I love my job, I think. Uh, it was kind of the end of an era for, like, sort of, like, if you're going to play, I think previous to the 90s, previous to the board game kind of hitting an hour, 90-minute, two-hour format, Nobody really thought about game length, or, or they they did think about game length. That mass market thought about game length. I think Twilight Imperium was maybe the last last of that era of the sort of like you can have a five or six hour game. I know, and of course, it's still being made, and people are still buying it, so it's still out there. But I certainly wouldn't make a five hour game. I have been playing Twilight Imperium since I was a wee lad. I think I first stumbled into it in middle school or high school. This would have been. The late 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, the second edition was my my beloved edition. I think my fondest Twilight Imperium memory is playing TI in the basement of my parents' house with my brother and a couple of our friends when we were all home from college. Um, I think I had the most fun with Twilight Imperium at university. Um, it's the best time for the game to shine, obviously. You've got like a bunch of spare time when you should be studying, uh, where you can sort of pull some like-minded people together to play something that will take a whole day. When the game was kind of in this embryonic state in the minds of my friends at uni, I'd sort of just made these friends. And, and I told them that I'd been watching a site, uh, a little website called Shut Up and Sit Down. Um, and I told them there was this one game that took a day to play. It simulated this like huge galactic war. It had politics, it had voting, it had huge gobs of dice. I told them this game was called Twilight Imperium, third edition. And, and so they were thrilled by this prospect um, of, of this of this nuts, massive space game. And so I said that I'd go home that weekend, I'd buy a copy from my local game store, I'd bring the game back with me so that we could then play it again the following weekend. Um, and I got home, I walked into town, I bought the game, and then I realized that it would not fit into any of my bags. So I just had to carry it home, um, this huge coffin-sized box. None of our parents would let us play it. So, you know, for this entire Saturday, we kind of moved around and then somebody's parent would come in and tell us, put that away. You, we're gonna eat dinner on this table. And we eventually ended up at our local game store. And I went in and said, do you have an available table? And they looked at me and said, well, sure. There are tables upstairs. And I said, great. And then they saw that I was carrying Twilight Imperium and said, you're not gonna play that, are you? And I said, well, of course, this is what we, this is what we brought. And they said, well, we close in, in three hours, so you're probably not gonna be able to finish. And I said, okay, okay, whatever, we're gonna do it anyway. And I told everybody, okay, everyone, we have three hours to set up and play Twilight Imperium. 
and what followed was the fastest, most bananas game of TI I've ever played. Lightning fast. Uh, we would start resolving a battle and then move on to the next action while the battle was finished resolving. And we finished the entire game with and, and had the game fully packed up before we were kicked out of the store. Uh, and I love that game. It um, Because I think TI is best experience as a group. I love the game as much as I love being kicked out of all my friends' houses. And I think it reminded me of the importance of treating TI as a story generator. We sat down, we played together. Did any of us have our best game of TI? Nowhere, nowhere near, nowhere close. Some of the players were very competitive, work towards victory types, um, but that's never really been my style. So in the last third of the game, I decided to launch a war against my neighbor. He gives me a scandalized look and asks, why are you doing this? I tell him that I came to this game for some war, and it was time to expand um, soul hegemony. He responded, but it's not going to help you win the game. And I just said, uh, I don't know, it feels like I'm winning right now. And honestly, that sums up my attitude towards TI in a nutshell. Um, I think it pushed players to think more in terms of games as excuses to pull players together rather than necessarily as competitions or puzzles, as sort of events rather than merely games or, or merely ways to pass time. I do have very fond memories also of like trying to teach it to non non-gamers at the time and I mean people had played RPGs but hadn't played a lot of board games and so they were still like working out like how to be competitive with other people and I just wholesale like sacked the player next to me took over his home world he made like one last stab to get it back and I was like I feel really bad man I'm just destroying you and he's like no this is great this is what this game is about. Twilight Imperium is a different beast when you are first getting your friends into it, first playing it, and like the thematics still overpower like the mechanics of the game. And the huge amount of theme and drama and weird procedure there is in TI feels still like so singular, but you can see it inspiring so many other games that invite players into their world. It's still the kind of granddaddy of, of that particular genre. But I think that's only one way of looking at it because I've always seen TI as being this triumph of narrative and of light role playing um, on top of crunch and puzzle. And that's how a lot of the team see it as well. We see it as this narrative game, as this almost role playing game. Um, but a lot of people just see it as a triumph of, of raw game. And I think that it's kind of prismatic in that sense. Like it has different interpretations based on how you look at it. I think it's really singular doing that. Twilight Imperium is one of those games that you use as a benchmark when talking about other games. You know, it is such a titan in this world that people want to know. They'll present a game and say, it's like Twilight Imperium, but it's like this. You know, Twilight Imperium, but it's a Euro game, or Twilight Imperium in an hour, or something like that. And you don't get to that position unless you have something special and have something memorable. Actually, the greatest impact it's had on the gaming hobby is preventing other games like Twilight Imperium from being made. <laughs> One of the reasons that I like Twilight Imperium, and I'm sure, you know, lots of people listening also like Twilight Imperium, is that there's nothing like Twilight Imperium. And because of that, why make anything even remotely approaching Twilight Imperium if you're just going to do Twilight Imperium, right? Do something different. That's why we have games like Eclipse. That's why we have games like, you know, Zaya. Why do the same thing that TI is doing, you know? Because TI has already done it. 
I mean, TI is so great because it's just a group of friends coming together, spending an entire day forgetting about the rest of the world and just all that matters is the galaxy in front of you and how you interact with each other and like, you just leave the day having had a whole other experience, a whole other arc, a whole other story and collective of memories made with these friends and it's just such an awesome experience. It's wild how that experience can now be transferred to an international community of folks watching each other pretend that it is competitive, pretend that the rules are not just a platform on which to have thematic, like, you know, space uh, opera experiences, but can we can all pretend that it is uh, like a real competitive uh, sport. Uh, and I think that it's bad that we've done that, but I also think it's good and interesting as well. So yeah, I feel like in my own uh, playtime, I'm no longer playing around. It's no longer thematic in a way that I feel like, you know, a lot of people still get to experience the game that way. Now I just see the matrix uh, or whatever. And I don't necessarily think that's better, but I think it's cool that both can exist. And it's remarkable actually that they can both exist. I think it's fascinating what this game means on the first few playthroughs compared to this community that's born around it that like obsesses over it the idea that in those early playthroughs of the game it is such a theme forward event for people to take part in and uh i think it's why it hooks people the way that it does and makes people not stop thinking about it because it took so much effort <laughs> to get it to the table and then it was such a huge bombastic occasion that i mean so many groups like survive off of that feeling for months and don't get the game back to the table again because they they're still coming down off of the high of the day of playing and they they can send text messages to each other for for weeks about everything that took place and i, I think it's kind of the reason maybe this show even uh works is because there's such a wide portion of the audience that only experiences the game every so often and the the stories being told are kind of the focus for them it has a transformative property which i think is is really kind of wild in that i don't think that well actually we were going we recently talked about twilight imperium first edition on the show and we felt like oh there were ideas of where it would go and I think it's wild that it actually eventually got there as far as uh, playing it in a competitive space. But it's, I mean, it's just crazy that it has such a deep, rich history. I'm old enough to have played the first edition of Twilight Imperium in 1996, 1997, somewhere on there. I did a internship for Atlas Games. During that time, Atlas Games shared a suite on Kanye Road B in uh, Roseville with a, a small startup uh, comic book distributor called Fantasy Flight um, maybe distribution or comic distribution or something like that and uh, Christian Peterson was there and he ran that and he had there's someone else in the office and I don't know what their relationship or um, you know I assume it was employee relationship it was just the two of them running this comic book distributor um, back at the time 
and so then Atlas and this comic book distributor shared a warehouse, and I had access to the warehouse. I looked at, you know, I, I was an inquisitive yet lad, so I looked through their comic books. I remember hearing Christian on the phone quite a bit and talking to uh, people overseas and people in Minnesota, uh, where Fantasy Flight is located. And what he was doing was he was calling banks and trying to secure funding to print Twilight Imperium 1 because, of course, this was before Kickstarter and he had to just borrow money to do these things. And uh, eventually he, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, he found a farm bank in one of the rural communities nearby who's used to taking a little bit riskier loans, maybe for a little bit higher terms, was able to engage them to get a loan. I don't, even, I don't have no idea what collateral he had. I assume he had a house, but I have no idea. Um, he was also pretty young at the time. And um, so the uh, uh, he funded Final Imperium, and then you know after my internship at Atlas Games ended, you know a year later or so, I was able to pick up Twilight Imperium at the store, and it was um, the f I believe that was Fancy Flight's first game. And uh, I I picked those I picked up Twilight Imperium right away, took it home and played it. They had, of course, released the two expansions for it uh, right on the heels of it, which I believe was The Outer Rim and Distant Suns, and, um, you know, played played the heck out of the, out of the core set, and then went out and got the expansions, and um, uh, anyway, so long story short, was there at the birth of uh, Twilight Imperium. I got back home, figured that it probably wasn't like particularly sustainable to then repeat that ritual, but instead do it all the way back to university. And so I crammed this entire copy of TI into, into basically what was a big shoebox, um, which you can do, as crazy as it might seem. Anyway, um, some people might think that's a real crime, um, and some people might even think this is even more of a crime. I actually binned the original box, uh, so not only did I crush it into a shoebox, I no longer have a box for my Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition that doesn't say Reebok on it. My friends were kind of horrified then that this game that like I'd bigged up, that they'd reserved this whole weekend for, was actually crunched into this tiny shoebox, which was very funny. Uh, they obviously changed their minds when playing it, but it was, it was a good reveal when boasting about this scale and then sheepishly pulling this thing on my backpack. Uh, when I first started in the industry, my very first show that I ever worked was Gen Con 2017, which happened to be the, the release show for Twilight Imperium. And I had just spent the morning setting up a booth and was walking through the halls about half an hour before the, the, the bell rang or whatever and everybody floods in. And I was kind of filled with, um, I don't know, it was like pre-nostalgia, like the, this weird moment. Like I didn't know what the industry was gonna hold. I didn't know if I, this job that I had would even exist in another year. Um, and I, I walked by the Fantasy Flight booth and they had Twilight Imperium there. And I hadn't played TI for probably 10 years. And I thought, oh, like, I'm gonna buy a copy of this. This is like a little, like it seems like this is a moment that was made to be. So I, I went up to the booth a few minutes before opening and said, hey, could, could you sell me one of those copies? And they were like, we're not really supposed to do that, but here you go, why don't, why don't I, I do it anyway? So sorry to rat out whatever Asmodee employee sold me a copy of Twilight Imperium early in 2017. And then I took it home expecting it to be nonsense, expecting it to be bloated and gross and just bad, you know, sloppy editing and all that. And I found that the fourth edition of TI was so measured, so careful, so professional in its presentation. And I was just overwhelmed with happiness. I thought, what an amazing project uh, that, they, that they brought together. And as I went into my, my own professional life, I often looked at TI 
as an example of how to clean up a big sprawling game and clean it up well, preserve the heart of it. I mean, this one's pretty easy, right? We started playing Twilight Imperium and then we decided, hey, let's start a YouTube channel where we play Twilight Imperium all the time and make videos about it. I mean, all of us at TI Junkies are content creators, so TI is just so fun and such a great time, we, we had to start documenting the experience. My work literally wouldn't exist without Twilight Imperium. So I have a channel called RTFM, and I teach complex games, and the first game that I taught on the channel was Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition. And I wasn't really even thinking about making this a big you know, channel. It wasn't something I was really trying to do at the time, I was kind of just trying to learn how to edit. I was doing sketch comedy with a friend and I wanted to be able to help out more and I was playing board games and I really enjoyed it and someone had gotten me Twilight Imperium for my birthday and I was like, okay, I really want to play this. I got some friends uh, around but I was hoping to send them videos to say, you know, so we don't have to learn this game on the day and just, just watch one of these videos and we'll be able to play right away. And every video that I saw, I was really disappointed in and I, I just... I felt bad asking my friends to watch it, and I kept watching it thinking, you know, I, I could, I think I could do better than this. And so I set out to do that, and that first shoot was, was pretty rough going. I had some friends helping me, and thank God I did, because otherwise it would not have been anything. Um, but I made my Twilight Imperium video, and some people saw it, and they, and they liked it, and they wanted to see more. And I had already had the idea of doing another one, but the fact that people really got behind that uh, was something that they put a lot of wind in my sails, and so that propelled me forward. And then when Twilight Imperium 4th Edition came out, I knew that that was going to be a big moment, so I, I, I contacted them, I was able to get an, an early copy, so I had it ready not long after the game actually released, and it kind of went from there. I used that video to, to launch a, a Patreon, um, which which some people were, were kind enough to uh, support me on, and uh, like I said, it just from there, it really you know, ballooned from there, and so I... I cannot overstate how important Twilight Imperium has been for my work. It, it's um, it has fueled the the fire that has kept me going, and and I still love Twilight Imperium. You know when I when I play it. So so the ability to make videos that help people get into games that are as complicated as Twilight Imperium, or even less complicated ones, but um, the the fact that it's been so helpful for people has has really you know booed me forward. Um, so yeah, Twilight Imperium has absolutely inspired my work. It's inspired everything that I've done. My entire career in the board game industry is, comes from Twilight Imperium. When I uh, was first designing, the first things I ever designed were fan uh, variants for Twilight Imperium. In fact, if you look deep into the recesses of Twilight Imperium, you can even find fan variants that I posted there. Uh, that are probably filled with spelling errors and probably aren't very good. But Twilight Imperium was such a big design, and I think the third edition was so uh, slightly broken on launch, but don't tell anybody who said that. It just begged for fixing, begged for content, begged for everything. So it was it was a place where I spent a lot of my my, my uh, spent a lot of time cutting cutting my design teeth. Well, Twilight Imperium was the first fantasy flight game that I ever played, and so that really opened my mind up to how big and how epic games could be. And if you look at the games that I put out when I worked at Fantasy Flight Games for 15 years, there were a number of big, epic games in huge boxes and long playtimes that were certainly inspired by Twilight Imperium and its grandeur. What is your fondest memory of Twilight Imperium? That would probably be Prophecy of Kings uh, testing. Um, that was the first chance that I had 
to interact with a lot of the community members and a lot of those people are now close friends of mine. That has definitely had one of the larger impacts on me. Uh, I played Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition well before I even worked at FFG. Um, It was that game and a Game of Thrones, the board game, that drove my interest in working at FFG. Um, I just thought it'd be cool to work on these grand epic board games and really immerse myself in these worlds. Um, So, yeah, TI3 led me to FFG, and then I got to work on TI4, uh, which was pretty cool. We updated the look of the game, but I definitely used TI3's visuals uh, as a basis, and I was inspired by the feel of the game as a whole. It's very, very inspiring when Fantasy Flight emails you, Katrina Ostranda specifically, the story and law editor at FFG, emails you and says, Hey, Calvin, do you want to write for Twilight Imperium? That's really inspiring. <laughs> the lore itself for Twilight Imperium, like as, as of like third edition, it didn't like set my mind on fire or anything like that. It's like very obviously inspired by classic science fiction that the creator loved. But to me, it was just like, mm, yeah, whatever. But n- now that, we, you know, Twilight Imperium is going off in bold new directions with the, the novels and the RPG setting that I also had the, the honor of working on, I feel like this provides opportunity for the law of the universe to go off in directions that I think better fit the 21st century. I think the most beautiful thing about Twilight Imperium is how it has this established history of passing the baton on to the next people. I mean, when when CTP like left FFG, there was this big sort of uproar about like, well, who's going to make this great game? And I felt like that always missed the idea that like it's been being made by different people already for like 10 years. This series has a legacy of everybody getting to be a part of it. It's not one person's singular vision. It has always been taking the people who experience the stories themselves and experience the moments of each game and using their inspiration from that moment to then propel the next idea forward. And I just feel like it's always a game pushing itself ahead because of how much it provides to the player to think about the game and what else could happen. Twilight Imperium is a game that inspires the players to tell stories of their own experiences with it. And I think what we've seen is that many times those people have gone from playing the game, having a moment that really, you know, uh, enhanced their imagination, and then making the game their own. Every time I play the game, I feel like I have new fondest memories. I was playing as the Sarl tribes. I was doing the kind of the classic thing of holding a handful of cards and, you know, trying to look more uh, aggressive or more more scary than I actually was. The player to my right, I had bullied just a little bit, but basically had them in position of thinking that I was able to defend against their attack when I really couldn't. And that was important because I had maneuvered myself in a position where in the last round, I was close to winning, but I wasn't sure if I could pull it off. I had seven points, and I knew there was like a a level two objective that I could do, but I couldn't figure out how to get the last 
point. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust that the opportunity will arise. And then I realized, oh, if he comes in and invades, he absolutely can. So I kept my, you know, false front up. We played uh, Imperial and I was able to get another secret objective and I just top decked a card that I could definitely do. And the entire, so then it was just the entire round of trying to make it seem like I wasn't as vulnerable as I was because the only thing that could have stopped me was my home planet getting invaded and it absolutely could have, but I wasn't, but they weren't able to pull it off. So it was just a really, really exciting final round of of presenting myself bigger than I was, trying to seem really strong, and then I even had to face an invasion coming from the uh, you know a different direction from my left neighbor instead of my right, uh, where I actually was able to uh, defend. And then so we had these great fights, uh, and it was really tense. And in the end, I was able to pull it off. I, I won the game. So that, that was a, a really fun moment that happened uh, pretty recently. My fondest memory of Twilight Imperium is my very first memory of Twilight Imperium. Um, I got to play in a four-player game with my buddy Jake Michaels. Space Cat's Peace Turtles reached out to Jake Michaels for comment, but uh, he seems to have never decided to respond to us. Interesting, Jake. Interesting move. Um, we went to the now sadly closed a game house cafe in Burbank and spent about six hours there. Um, I'd always wanted to play the game and just never had the opportunity to, but thankfully to Jake, um, he's had an open seat, invited me over and the rest is history. I instantly fell in love with the game. Um, it was just, it really was as epic as it uh, sounded like it would be. And you know, it has nothing to do with me actually winning the game because I did my very first time out, but I loved it for more than that, and uh, that will always be my fondest memory. My fondest memory is was this epic day-long playtest uh, for Prophecy of Kings. Um, the project was near its end, and this was basically a playtest showing off the expansion to the studio head. So we had, a, we had a full table of eight players. I was playing the Titans, and at the time they had an ability... Uh, where they could basically pump out carriers um, at will. I was sort of doing okay with that ability and, and that, that faction. I was kind of humming along at pace with the other players uh, near the lead. Um, but then I remember is in the agenda phase near the end of the game, as particular agenda came up, I don't remember what it was. It was a big deal. Like It meant kind of a lot to everybody. And we were wheeling and dealing, and I was at the center of it. I don't remember why, but I was at the center of it. And somehow... I convinced, I think, three other players to give me support for the throne and um, managed to keep that at the end of the agenda phase. And I threw down all my support for the thrones, leapfrogged to the head of the game and won, um, won the game. And that was, was pretty epic. Uh, it was probably the best game of TI I ever played. Um, but unfortunately, it has a big asterisk next to it because Dane ended up nerfing and changing the ability after that. Uh, he says it wasn't because of the playtest, but I know better. I was at eight points, and the other three players, three of my friends, were at nine points. So nobody wanted to attack anybody else, because we were all sitting there at nine points. Everyone was like, ah, you know, if I, and then we started talking about it. It's like, you know, I have to turn, I'm going early in the turn. If I do this, then I'll win. And if you do this, and you'll win. And if you do that, then I'll and then win. And nobody wanted to, like, pull the trigger and just, like, hurt somebody else, because it was, it was, it was, you know, End games of Twilight Imperium are like this, right? Where to win, you have to step on somebody else, and nobody wanted to step on anybody else. 
And I had exactly one path to victory, um, which was relying on some random card pull, I think. And I tried it and it didn't work. And I said, okay, you know what? Why don't the three of you just declare joint victory? And my faction, the Mentai Coalition, the pirates will be exiled forever because now I can't win. I have no path to victory. And they were like, oh, yeah, why don't we do that? Okay. So the three of them just declared, okay, we all have nine points. We're all joint rulers of the Galactic Imperium. Yay. And Calvin shall be exiled. And I'm like, no, but what a great ending. <laughs> the, yeah, so that was the time Twilight Imperium ended in a, in a joint three-way tie. It's got to be that time I won during an agenda phase when Sea Defend Empire came up and I had nine points and played an Imperial Rider on against. No one had a sabotage, therefore I was guaranteed the victory. It was a pick your choice of how Rand wins right there. Ooh, and that's a nice situation to be in. If everyone's picking how you have to get to win. Ooh, love Sea Defend Empire is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ghosts swapped a, like, seven-sized fleet of Sardak right next to the Necro home system and then removed that Sardak's way of getting out because it was a Creus token in the first place. Then the Sardak was just like, well, guess I'm going to eat eat these robots. I actually just got Winslayed by a crazy Empyrean Cabal team play where the Empyrean player came to my home system, the Ghosts of Creus home system, from like six spots away via a combination of Crucible and Aetherstream. That was like the longest distance Winslay I think I've seen in ever in my ti memory this is the first time that i was playing against uh, someone who's playing the ghost of Cruz, and they were they were good at playing the ghost of Cruz because like that that faction i think can be easy to to not really know what you're doing with it um but this person they they had a sense of what they wanted to do and they they were able to do it so we had because they were good when a law came up that was just close all wormholes we took it we're like, absolutely, worm no, 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 we don't want any wormholes. A and B is shut down. And so we felt safe. And then in, like, the last round, they played one of those cards that was like, I ignore, I ignore rules, I ignore laws for this, uh, I ignore laws for this round only. And they used that and some other cards. And, and even though, I still remember this, even though it was against me, I got my home turf, my home system invaded from the other side of the galaxy. They were sitting directly opposite of me. I had never once considered them a threat. And they were able to go through a wormhole and uh, they were able to open the wormholes, go through them, and come and attack me and take over my system, which was stopping me from winning the game. And it was like, it was one of the first time that I had those moments against against creators where it's just like, I cannot believe you were able to do this. I, I didn't even see you. And so it was just such an excellent way of playing that faction. It was, that always sticks out in my mind. As the saying goes, you never forget your first. The first time I ever played Twilight Imperium, I was um, playing the Universities of Jolnar. And that is still my favorite faction to this day. And again, the first time I ever played the game, I won. So I won with the uh, Space Nerds, the Jolnar. And um, I've won with them more uh, frequently than uh, other factions. Jolnar always has a special place in my heart. I love the Space Nerds. And um, I think it fits my play style the best. I am not the best negotiator. Um, I love trying to, you know, fulfill objectives uh, that 
you know, rely on all that tech. And um, it's just, it's fun to be a space nerd, folks. You should try it too. It's so hard to pick one, but if I absolutely had to, I would say the Mentec. Why? Because pillage. Pillage, baby. Pillage all day, every day. It's like choosing which of my 25 babies is my favorite. Um, I mean, Extra is my classic. I love the Extra. And really the reason is not, is kind of a, a, our table meta reason, which is for a while everyone was coming after me. And Extra was my saving grace where I had the space cannon, I had nullification field, I had instinct training. So during sort of a time early on in our group's play history, where I feel like I had all the table heat for a long time, Extra was like my way to mitigate that table heat. You know, everybody expects me to say Ghosts of Creus here, and that's probably still true, but I have a big soft spot for Nazaroka. I, I love Nazaroka. I, I think they're my favorite addition from POK, and I might, I might like them as much as Ghosts, to be honest. They kind of have like a plucky hero thing going for them. Like, they're the good guys. Like, are Creus the good guys? Hmm, maybe. But Nazaroka are definitely the good guys. Maybe the clan Asar. I just love the fact that they can like move their space docks and the whole story of them being nomads traveling about the galaxy, living in an asteroid field. I don't know. I really love it. Feels great. Excuse my pronunciation of these. I believe it's called the Sadrak Noor, which is the the hive like bug people who just get plus one in combat. And I like I like plus one in combat. I'm I'm pretty basic that way. I like the I just like slowly grinding my opponents down under my my impressive military. Uh, I also like the I assume I would like the the extra or whatever they're called the the uh, the peace turtles, um, just because I like the political game. I like the I like the the dealing that way. I play a lot of uh, this video game called Stellaris, which is about building space empires and. I think that is my two modes of play. I play like just the most hateful, militaristic race that wants to destroy the universe, or I play the, the like humans and I play a very diplomatic, kind of Star Trek, like very chivalrous game. And so those are my two. Those are my two modes. So I think that's what I would like to do in DI. My favorite factions tend to be the ones that like aren't gimmicky, but have a really strong core identity that is expressive within the basic grammar of the game. And for that faction, my favorite one is the Barony of Letnev. I love the Barony because they're just bullies. And like their best faction attribute is the fact that they get a dreadnought at the start. And there's no gimmicky, silly power that is expressive as just saying like, hey, at the start of the game, you're gonna have this ship that's kind of fat and too expensive and too powerful for your own good. And your whole job is to bully other players. I think it's great, great, great piece of design. So I think I'm supposed to say the Federation of Soul because my likeness was used as the faction art, but honestly, my favorite faction is probably either the Mentat Coalition, because honestly, who doesn't love a faction of space pirates and privateers, or the Nazroka, because they're really a pair of underdog species who are trying to succeed through the power of friendship. So I really like one of the new ones the from the expansion, uh, Titans of Ul. I love their backstory and their aesthetic, you know, just these 
giant, you know, screw you robots. I'm just going to land and just terraform this whole planet so it's good for me. And then I'm going to leave and go to the next one. And they also have that, that Iron Giant kind of look to them, which I, I really like. And I love a big robot friend. And their PDS units are so much fun. I love setting up this grid of PDS units and saying, you cannot come into my territory. Or you can, but be aware you're going to lose ships in the process. And also they have a unit called the Hecatonkeries, I think it is. I just call them the Hecatonks. And that's just fun to say, Hecatonks. Well, before the Prophecy of King expansion, it was the Embers of Muat. Uh, I think it was because I liked to build the biggest, baddest war sun and just try to nuke everybody. And I don't think I've ever won a game with them, though. I was never really good at playing them. I think I just liked the idea. In an incredibly boring way, I've got a really soft spot for the Federation of Sol. Um, I think being the humans in a galaxy packed with oddities gives you a knowable simplicity that means you can kind of, you can sort of revel in how unique your opponents are rather than grapple with any of the sort of weird abilities you might have on your own. I like that because they're simple, boring humans, other players feel somehow more at ease in trading with you and they're more comfortable scheming with you. I think having that anchor in games uh, in the Federation of Soul really makes the weirdness spikier rather than the baseline. You've got this sort of quite standard faction and then you've got all these factions that do loads of weird stuff and you're kind of an oasis of normality in this ridiculous galaxy. I like them. I, it's boring, but I do like them. I like playing as them. I like having them in my games. I like being just a little bit boring. I think it makes the weird stuff weirder. I just like humans. Like, I think that as cool as it is that we have stuff like the Necrovirus and the Argent Flight and all of those other highly imaginative, highly unique space factions, one of the things that I love the most about science fiction is the way that it puts humanity under the lens right? and how we see ourselves represented in this science fiction future. right? And in many ways, the Federation of Soul is stuck in the past not not just in terms of their law, where, you know, they're a expansionistic imperialist empire, but also in the way they're portrayed, you know, it's like humanity is so broad and so diverse and so full of infinite complexity and infinite combinations, as the Vulcans say from Star Trek. I just feel like we can do so much better with, with the depiction of the Federation and the depiction of humans in this setting. We used to get KFC because it was down the road from us. Um, and, and I think that middle part of the game where you sit with your friends and you talk about the game whilst, you know, the game in process as well as the game in a meta sense. When you sit and you chat whilst eating a literal bucket of food together that you've all, you're all going to share, it, it always did a lot to dissolve tension and, and have really good chats about the game outside of the game. And I think that's important. I think that moment where you can step back from it, because it is a game, you're playing it for so long, it has so much, you know, you get so invested. And so having that that time to sit and eat and kind of chill out for a bit <laughs> is, is very important. We used to go to Tom's Donuts and get hot dogs when I was playing in high school. Uh, I don't like breaking for meals too much because I think it makes the game too long. I'd much rather like sit down and just get it done. Uh, and I also, I love playing TI in the morning. Big, big breakfast. 
then we're gonna play TI. I think we'd both agree that potassium is necessary when you have a salty table and therefore bananas, folks. Have healthy snacks. This is a marathon and if you're just eating sugar, if you're just eating carbs, it's likely that you're gonna just crash because you need brain food. This is a game where you need to be able to think for the entire day. My friend Dan makes an intensely delicious carne asada chili. Pizza's delicious. Who doesn't love pizza? I don't know. Pizza, I guess, is the, the default gamer's gamer food, so space pizza, I guess? Space sodas! I'm full anarchy mode on snacks. Um, there's no reason to be precious about it. You know, you're in it for the long run. Uh, this game's gonna get beaten up because people are just gonna be touching it a lot. So just, just go ham. Whatever's good. Chips and dips. Lay's baked potato chips. Dim sum. An ice cream for every player. Your shumai. Soup. It's such a weird question. Your hargal. Just eat whatever you want. A hot sauce here and there. Milk. I don't care. Since I played the game in my early 20s, probably alcohol. Um, uh, I, I played a game once with a very uh, kind of taciturn and, and calm group. They were like a, my, my usual game group. Um, I think when I was in college at this point, and for some reason my brother was visiting, and he, he and I grew up playing TI together, and we play very aggressively and very, and we make lots of mistakes, uh, both rules mistakes and more critically strategic mistakes. And we sat down to play, and he played the Mentak, one of my favorite factions, and was just attacking people. Turn one, found a way to attack someone. Turn two, attacking, attacking, attacking the entire game, and it completely transformed the meta of this group. No game I played with this group afterwards, thankfully they still invited me to play with them, was the same after that. They played faster, they played looser, and they engaged with the more wargamey components of the game. So yeah, lo love, love Twilight Imperium, I have no, no, no shortage of fantastic memories. One of the great things about TI, and like really any immersive game experience, is that you get to see yourself and the people you know find these like new selves and like new identities in the game. I'll give a quick example. We have a friend named Nathan. We met him playing Frisbee, and you know, he was a very polite, respectful young man who we would just kind of see every once in a while. Then we started getting him into the TI. Let me tell you, that man in TI is not a polite nor is he respectful. He is a evil antagonist of so many games that we've played, and we would have never gotten to see this cutthroat evil side of our friend had he not started playing TI with us. We were playing quick and aggressive. The games only took about four hours, which is crazy thinking about it. It's not crazy if you're cool. And my friend Alex was playing the Sardak Nor and kept pretending to eat the podium during all the council votes. It was just a whole lot of fun and helped me really fall in love with the game Twilight Imperium. We played with the expansion, it was a full six-player game, and it was a series of wild moments. It was one of those games that it felt like anyone could win it. Um, you know, I got off to an early lead, uh, then I fumbled that away, but then other players came back and they all had a shot to win it. I started creeping up again, but ultimately, somehow, some way, and this happens more often than not when I play the game, the incredible Jake Michaels came back, I don't know what he did, but somehow he gathered just enough points at the very end to eke out the victory, just passing Becca Scott in the final moments of that game after almost 12 hours. It was absolutely epic, and I'll never forget that series of wild moments. I gotta be honest, I haven't really played it a ton since the first and second edition, um, and I've only played maybe two games the second edition. 
Um, but in the first edition, I do remember having a house party in my early 20s at my the party, which was pretty off just off campus. That happened a lot at my parties. Um, and we got to a point where it's like 11 o'clock and we're like, well, we should play a game. And none of us could agree on a game to play because everybody kind of hated something in the pile. And so we ended up playing Twilight Imperium at 11 p.m. at night. And I was still playing at 3 or 4 in the morning and was exhausted. Uh, but uh, but loving the game. I think it's just that, you know, it's a game that my, my partner and I play together a lot. It's just something that we that we both love. We love the lore of and um, it's something that we that we do together, you know. It's just a become just one of our things, right? If you go to her Twitter page, she's got tw- she's holding Twilight Imperium um, in her profile picture, and she jokes that oh, it's my boyfriend. Twilight Imperium is my boyfriend. It was a few years later, and I just landed a job uh, with Shut Up and Sit Down, and my lovely friends were perhaps even more delighted than this news uh, th- than I was. They were they were thrilled for me, and it was it was lovely. But as a celebration, we thought we'd meet up for TI3, uh, like we did so many times in our first year. So we set a date. Everyone cleared a weekend for this big, splashy, six-player game of TI. Um, the day before that, though, I got my first paycheck from Shut Up and Sit Down. And in our little TI group chat, I saw people making costumes. I saw people chatting about their favorite factions. I saw people recounting their past games. And and in this sort of, frankly, mad decision, considering the state that my finances were in at the time, I ordered fourth edition TI with expedited next day delivery so that I could get this shiny new version of the game to the table for our session, sort of like for these people. And I put a tablecloth over the game, uh, so I fully set it up, and then I put a tablecloth over the top, and then as soon as they arrived, bam, revealed this whole new beautiful glittering game on the table. And I think that the sort of the, the pure geeky delight that came from the table at that moment was, was such a reminder that my world would be a lot smaller and a lot less full of board games if it, if it wasn't for those particular people and that um, particular game. So I sort of owe a lot to TI in that sense, I think. I don't think I'd be as into board games as I am if I didn't have it and them then. Yeah. <laughs> that feels good. This game gives players so much fuel for obsession and fandom and things to be excited about uh and and uh, ways to interact with it. it it's like everybody gets a seat at the table of how th- what kind of player they can be twilight imperium has always been changing and that's what i think is so exciting about it as like kind of a living idea in people's minds and i feel like if there's anything that i can be proud of in my life. Well, first, it's how big of a dum-dum I am and continue to be. But secondly, close second even, I would say, has got to be this show and this project providing people a way to connect to each other um, and and to build community uh, around this board game. Um, I think me and Matt have, if there's anything that, that we've done, it's it's we've allowed a bunch of, and let's be honest, weirdos to connect to each other across the planet. And uh, that's, I mean, that that's what I'm proud of, basically. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing I've achieved. Although I'm super proud of the work we did for Embers of the Imperium, I'd l- have to say that my proudest contribution was the backstory and faction backgrounds in War for the Throne. 
Sam, of course, means shard of the throne, not not war of the throne, which is uh, not doesn't exist. It was something that I had a lot of flexibility on, and I just got to be really creative and help define a big new chunk of the TI universe. So definitely that. And I really wanted to find a way for players to upgrade their ships without having to do a lot of math as far as this one gives plus one, this one gives minus one. And so I came up with the idea for this sheet where your upgrades would actually overwrite your ships and you could very easily at a glance look down and see what your capabilities were. I really like Singularity Reactor. I really like Gomsekis. Uh, the Mahakt abilities that uh, steal player powers. I don't know that any of the world stuff I could say for sure was 100% just me, but I'm glad to have been part of introducing the Nazaroka, the Argent Flight. I really like those two a lot. Uh, my proudest contribution is the graphic design. It's not just about making the game look cool, but sometimes, and this I think this is the case in TI4, I get to, uh, when designing the game interface, you know, the way things um, play at the table, the bits and pieces interact, and, and how how everything kind of looks on the table. Sometimes that can influence the game design, too. And Dane was always open to to having that conversation. I'm really proud of the fact that we at the team have like managed to broaden and deepen what the universe of Twilight Imperium is, you know? Taking these science fiction, fairly tropey science fiction standards, right? And engaging with them on their own terms and expanding them to become something more, you know, more than just what meets the eye, right? Like the Sadak Noor are not just, we're angry bugs, you know? Like I wanted to go deeper beyond that. The Brotherhood of Yinas are not just, you know, oh, we're religious zealots who, who suicide bomb enemy ships. Like, yes, they are, but what else can they be? And that's what I find inspiring, that the universe is moving forward and it's going to go, go to great new places. I just feel like there's so much opportunity here, right? And it's more than just, you know, the Hakana rage, you know, the Federation are militaristic. We can, we can do more, we can do better. And my proudest contribution is helping be part of the team that interrogates and pushes forward Twilight Imperium to be, yeah, it's supposed to be grand space opera, but it can be grand space opera and queer, you know, and racially diverse and body type diverse you know, and be conscious about all of the things that we have learned about how to be more inclusive as a game, because it's a game, right? Like we talk about Twilight Imperium, like, oh, it's a universe, it's a thing, but it's a game first, right? And a game has to center its players, right? And the players of Twilight Imperium are not just straight white guys with no disabilities, right? And one sexuality, there's more than that. Twilight Imperium should be like all game universes, like all games, you know, as inclusive as, of, of as many people who want to play it, who wants to sit down to it as possible. We can do anything we want with it. When I say we, I don't just mean we are the team at, at, at FFG and, um, and Edge Studios and Aconite Books who work on Twilight Imperium. I mean, we, the fans, should and must, I think, take Twilight Imperium in the direction that, that pushes it into the future. You know, a more caring, diverse and empathetic future because we play these games with people and these people have to feel like they can play this game and feel safe and feel like they can have fun. I think we should, we do have a responsibility 
as a games community to push that ship forward. Get it? I said ship because it's because it's tough. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm stopping now. But that that's my serious answer. And that was our 300th episode. Uh, I hope you liked that we took the This Imperium Life joke <laughs> about as far as it can go. What started as something one of us said off the top of our heads to just make fun of the idea of being that serious about Twilight Imperium was, in fact, a what, five year setup? Six year setup. Six year, don't say that. <laughs> Six year setup. Apparently, it is six. Uh, f- set up for the three hundredth episode of it. There, what about yeah. th- that's some deep podcast yeah, lore boy. right there? There you go. Yeah, that's so that's a joke. If ever there was one, we it's... really did it this time. <laughs> it was not, and it, it was done. I want real quick. There's a lot of people to thank uh, for just you know sending in. We're so surprised that we were actually able to make an episode off of just people submitting stuff. Yeah. Like that's kind of crazy right. that we even. We're able to get people to, to do that. That's insane. Because it was like, how cool would it be if we just like weren't really in the episode? You know, I I always think that's the coolest. That's the sign of a good project. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If it's so, if it's got so much momentum that you don't you know, have to do it, we don't even have to do it. You know what I mean? That somebody else can do it. That's right. the American dream, yeah. right there. Right. Uh, you know, writ large. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I want to thank uh, my co-host Matt. Hey, I want to uh, thank my co-host, Hunter Donaldson. Uh, yeah, yeah. This has been, I can't believe we've done this for, you said six? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Did you mean it? Is that I a did. joke? It's not a joke. 300 I, divided by 50. Oh, that's what 300 means. <laughs> oh, now I'm working out the, the math there. Huh. Well, interesting. Six years of my life. That means in four, it will be 10. And yeah. four is less, less than six. Right. <laughs> like, so there will be 10 years. Will there be 10 years of Space Cats, Peace Turtles, absolutely yeah uh sad to and then we die (laughs) and then we die well and then we are replaced right uh i think after 10 we will yeah of course we'll have to be because we'll be so old yeah who wants to listen to us anymore yeah you need a couple 26 year old young bucks again yeah Ugh. (laughs) Ugh. you just stained episode 300 um so wild that that we were able to get these people to uh, to do our work for us, um, and honestly, great setup. Uh, we should just kind of do it this way from now on. Is just beg please people. no. It took me so many hours. It took me so many hours to it, edit. It, it was an editing feat, which is why it was the episode was late. Um, real quick, we have to thank everyone that that submitted though, um, and I'll let you do it. You thank them. Okay, sure. Hey, thanks, Dane Beltrami, Corey Kaneska. This, this is, is Rand, Rand and Henry, Henry from, from Ti Junkie. Junkie. Patrick Leader. My name is Cole Worley, and I'm the creative director at Leader Games, the co-founder of Worley Gig Games, and Matt and Hunter have tricked me into interviewing myself as part of their 300th episode celebration, but I'm happy to do it for them. Sam Rader-Stewart. Hi, this is Shay Parker. Christopher Hosh. I'm a graphic designer at Fantasy Flight Games, and I worked on the graphic design for Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Calvin Wong Saloon. Hi, this is Ruel Gaviola. And Tom Brewster, or Tom Brewster, or Tom Brewster. 
or no, don't need to do more than that. I don't know how you want me to state my name. I've never done that before where I've just stated my name on its own. I can do like a what like a, what we do on a podcast. I'd be like, hello, I'm Tom Brewster from Shut Up and Sit Down. There you go. That sounded natural. That sounded normal, maybe. I don't know. Use one of them. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. Um, you might hear some construction noise in this recording because there's people outside digging up the road so that I can have clean drinking water. Um, they've been doing it for a long time. And I feel like if I went outside and asked them to like just take a break for a bit because I was recording a segment for a, a, for a Twilight Imperium-themed podcast, um, they, would, they would not think that I was cool. Um, so, so that's why there's maybe construction noise in the background. Okay, well, I hope this helps you make your episode fantastic. I am proud of myself for not talking more than an hour about one of my favorite games. Best of luck to everyone, and good luck on the next 300 episodes of this wonderful podcast. Take care.